Welcome to the Dirt Reporters podcast for the week of January 11th. I'm your host, D. Suave, Derek Kessinger. Joining me on the, editor- on the editorial staff is Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Robert, safe to say the Wild West shootout was a great success. Big car count, good-sized crowds, and the phenomenal racing capped off on that finale on Sunday, which I'm going to say right now, it's definitely going to be in conversation for race of the year when we get to the December, when we decide these things. All in all, just a phenomenal weekend there in the desert. It was, uh, it really was a, a great week out there. Uh, I think that, uh, like you said, the car counts, uh, the great finale on Sunday, uh, the weather, when you, you know, go back to a year ago, that, uh, that the weather was not bad but it certainly wasn't perfect i think there was a couple really cool and windy nights there last year uh didn't have that really this year it was chilly the sun goes down in the desert you know you got to kind of bundle up a little bit but uh beyond that uh uh, other than sunday when we had some a little bit of wind it was great weather all week long uh as as ben shelton would say it was a chamber of commerce weather uh, especially on saturday when probably uh one of the best crowds that uh, that they've ever had their Vado for for this event uh, enjoyed some spectacular racing, uh, but none better than Sunday. I think uh, you know on Tuesday you had a great show between Jonathan Davenport, and Kyle Larson, and we're thinking, oh man, this is look, we had a great race here. Um, could this potentially be a, a race of the year candidate? And by Sunday night, we had just put that on the shelf and like, no, absolutely not. Uh, this is what a race of the year candidate looks like. Uh, I think that you had Larson, Bobby Pierce, who wound up winning the race, Mike Marler, Stormy Scott got in there towards the end. Those guys put on a whale of a show, and that is really what a, a race of the year candidate looks like. And me personally, a little early, you know, it's like January 16th, 17th, somewhere in there, a little early to be thinking about the whole race of the year thing. We got 11, 12 months of racing to go. But when we come around and we're talking about, you know, when we are starting to finalize a list, this one's in there somewhere because, man, you know, my uh, social media feed was was blowing up and, and just everybody was excited about that race and about what Votto can do and, and that racetrack. And, and I think that uh, uh, that the whole week just showcased what an event, you know, out there can be like. Like you said, record cars, great crowd. Uh, I just, you know, they announced the dates for next year and I can't think that next year won't even be better. You know, this is a good event that's uh, growing and and I think people need to get out there and see it. Yeah, and Kovac, our topic later on today, we'll be discussing what makes a good race and some trips down memory lane of what one stand out that in our mind was just a great race and different scenarios and why it makes it. But first, I got to ask you on the Wild West shootout. Rigsby said the crowd was double in size on Saturday night there compared to last year's biggest crowd. So the event's getting stronger, more people going to it. Car counts were great. The racing was phenomenal. You had Chad Bowman and the Fairbury track prep got that thing dialed in in New Mexico. Safe to say we might have a new home for this uh, mini series event in January. Yeah, I think that was really the the biggest, the most important kind of thing you were looking for for this year's uh, Wild West shootout. You know, last year there was great racing. Uh, Everybody noticed that there was great racing for the first time uh, at Vado, but that crowd wasn't the greatest. The car count was only in the 30s also. So 
it, it took a little bit there and been like, hey, I mean, well, can this can this find a home in New Mexico or is this this little stopgap while they find a new racetrack to go to in Arizona where the Wild West shoot has been for so long? I mean, there's always there's keeps popping up rumors that this person's building a new track somewhere. Uh, it's going to be a really nice place. This could be a new place to, to take the wild west shootout. Uh, so, uh, I think this year you, you go in Nevada and it's like, well, if they could show improvement, if they could show more cars coming out, if more fans will come out because of that good racing last year, you can keep building this. I mean, it, it's not, it's difficult to build, uh, in New Mexico in January, I mean, the elevation's a lot higher than it is in Arizona. So it might be sunny and, you know, in the sixties during the day, but man, it goes, gets, it gets cold quickly and it could be colder, uh, just generally than it is in Arizona. So, uh, this year you got the good weather, uh, more cars. And, and then those crowds were definitely coming up and, and you could tell by people talking just on, on social media, Hey, I think next year, sure. I want to, I want to go next year. I want to go. And that's the important part. You want to have more fans go out there and, and not just, you can't just rely on that back gate to, to make that whole deal work. It could really expand and really become good. And, um, what I really liked uh, after the last race on Sunday night was, uh, Royal Jones, the owner of, of Vida, who, who's built a great, he's a big race guy and he's built one heck of a facility there. I mean, just a really nice place. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Bobby Pierce was more pumped up than, than uh, Royal Jones was. I mean, he did a little chant at the end. He's going <laughs> Vado, Vado, Vado. I mean, he was like really excited and you want to see the owner uh, excited about it. You know that he wants that racetrack, right, uh, that event back at, at Vado next year. Yeah. And he had that speculation Kovac of possibly going back to Arizona because there was rumblings that they're going to be building a new racetrack. So we thought maybe possibly potentially this could have been the last race there at Vada, but they announced it early a year in advance. And if you're Royal Jones, you got to be doing backflips because that was just a great weekend. They knocked it out of the park. Park kudos to the track crew there and as well as Chris Kearns, the promoter of the event. Um, Kyle, just your thoughts on the Wild West shootout. I like your sign in the background. JD with three wins in January. Tom Brady with only one. JD was hot early, but then Bobby Pierce came out of nowhere. New Longhorn chassis. I, safe to say he's going to be pretty good in that thing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Bobby Pierce, if you look back on the Wild West uh, shootout here, I mean, he could have easily had four wins and then if not his stumble late in that race on Saturday as he was tracking down Kyle Larson or in that battle for the second spot as Mike Marler was uh trying to run away with that thing on Saturday if Bobby Pierce didn't slip up off the cushion and turns three and four with like 10 laps to go he could have had or he was in the conversation for a potential fifth win that week obviously walks away with two, so you can't be too mad about that. And so, yeah, no, uh, just watching the event uh, last week, um, it's it's really honestly turned into, you know, I, I can't think of or come up with a more better event to start our season, um, even though it's it's obviously only year two at Vado but Vado has quickly turned into, in my opinion, you know, in terms of fan reaction, driver reaction, social media reaction, uh, just overall 
just my opinion of just how that track races i mean it, it's turned into a top seven maybe top five racetrack in terms of racing product in the country um in terms of am i satisfied as a dirt late model onlooker after watching uh just a typical feature there and so i mean i'd have to put it up there with uh davenport and fairbury and port royal just in terms of action right and and uh and so i know we'll uh talk about later on in the show what quantifies a race of the year candidate but this is the second straight year now that that vado or that we've walked out of vado with at least one race of the year candidate and so uh it for sure speaks to what they have built there and uh what they're going to continue to build there so it's exciting that this event We'll be back for year three. You three put out some great answers. They were quick, good notes. Definitely a lot shorter than the track prep at the Chili Bowl. So kudos to you guys as uh, you know, for uh stepping up here in our New Year's Eve uh New Year's resolutions. Uh Robert, I wanted to get to the topic right away. We got speed weeks coming up, but I kind of want to do this little uh scenario. Todd Turner actually is the one that kind of suggested the idea. What makes a great race? Obviously, Sunday, it had it all. Maybe it didn't have that photo finish, but what makes a great race, Robert? Is it lots of passing? Is it maybe like a four or five lap stretch at the end where there's a great finish and people are leaving like, oh my God, like a Hill Mary effect. That was awesome. Does prestige and money fall in that little category? How do you define what makes a great race? Uh, Well, you know, to answer your question, yes. Yes and yes, those those are the things that make a great make a great race. Uh, you know, you don't have but to. But can have you only have one or of two money. of them, and it works out good? I, I think so. You definitely don't have to have money uh, or prestige to have a great race. I mean, I've seen some some great races on some great weekly races that you know you you look back, you ride home, and it's like you know that's a hell of a show. Uh, you know, definitely after after Saturday night, I, my nephew and my daughter were out there, and I and I looked at them, and this is kind of one of those things that you just kind of hear, kind of one of these uh, little sayings that you know, if you didn't like that, you don't like racing, and so so for sure that was a great race. Uh, but I think if you have a race that I've I've been to races that thirty lappers, forty lappers, that for the first thirty laps you thought, man, this is kind of suspect you know this is not necessarily the best race and then the last 10 laps you know there's a caution came out or uh some they caught lap traffic or or you know somebody's tires just came in as someone else's tires are going away and all of a sudden you've got a hell of a show for the last five six seven laps and so you could leave there thinking wow i thought that was going to be boring and all of a sudden it got crazy at the end and and you could easily classify that as a great race and then on the on the flip side of that, you could have three or four grooves, guys coming and going, guys passing, and then the guy wins it at the at the very end by two seconds. And but for you know, 35 or 40 laps, uh there was action all over the place, leads being swapped. Who's to say that's not a great race? That could be even though you didn't have a photo finish or even though it didn't come down to the wire that too can be a great race so i think you can have both obviously uh we're kind of selfish we'd like to have we'd like to have a, 
the racing all throughout the race and it still come down to the the last lap you know or a pass off turn four uh that's what we all like to see and that's why we keep going back to these things that's why we keep suffering through bad races a lot of the times throughout the year in hopes of of getting to that one race or you kind of go and and you'll you'll put up with four or five bad races in a row just to have a finish or have a race like we saw at Votto on Sunday. So that's kind of why we why we tolerate some of the others because we we know we're going to eventually get that good race. But yeah, I think it'd be it could be a mixture of the two. I think and I think it could be one of the two. You don't have to have money and you don't have to have prestige to have a good race, you know. So so that's one thing you don't have to have, but me personally I like the last four or five laps, even if it's not necessarily a last lap pass. I like the last four, eight laps of, you know, really good racing for the lead where right down to the end, even if it's not a last lap pass, you don't know who's going to win. Yeah, Kovac, do you leave a race if the first 45 laps are kind of a, you know, stinker, then all of a sudden there's a good restart in the final five, there's slide jobbing, and then there's a photo finish. Safe to say, everybody will be talking about it, saying, that race was awesome, but you look back at it, I mean, it wasn't that great. We just got a lucky yellow. But at the end of the day, I think if you have a great finish, people are going to say, man, what a race, no matter how it was the first half or the first, you know, three quarters of it. Yeah, the great finish, it's like the Hail Mary. I mean, you know, like the the buzzer beater in basketball or the walk-off home run or something. Might not have been the best game or anything, but – you get that great finish and, and you do remember that's what you're going to walk out of that racetrack. Uh, you know, that's going to be on your mind, man. That guy just pulled it off right at the end. Uh, but it doesn't, those, those last lap passes, that does not make a race of the year for me. I mean, we, everybody talks about these races. I mean, I think we get that more. It seems like everybody's always saying in the middle of races now, race of the year, race of the year. I mean, like we got to calm down a little bit sometimes with the, with the talk about race of the year uh, until we see what exactly just little stretches of the race, uh, a race of the year takes more than that. Just that good finish. It, I, that's, that's why it was so cool watching that Vado race on Sunday. I mean, that was, there were four guys pretty much at least three, often four that were in the mix right up in front. Nobody ever got away. I mean, there was never a straightaway lead by anyone in that race. And that's what, like, man, you you see a race like that where everyone's so bunched up up front and, and, and Bobby Pierce loses the lead three times. He lost it to two different drivers, and he comes back and wins it. And then, I mean, really, he lost the lead briefly, not officially, to uh, Kyle Larson with the sliders at the end in the corners when they were trading the, you know, the, the sliders going for the win. And, and and that stuff there was there was a lot of stuff it wasn't it wasn't you know just two drivers to talk about there was other guys that could have won that race maybe stormy scott even snuck could sneak up in there and and win that you had jonathan davenport end up leading early and it hits the wall and and falls back uh, i mean there's storylines that, that's what i always look for in, in a and to to really quantify that race as like really really good is there there's more than just that you know, two guys going for it at the end. I mean, there was a lot of other stuff that happened. Hey, maybe even throw in a little tangle there somewhere that happened. Maybe throw in a, you know, an accident or something that makes it memorable. Uh, I mean, it, it just wasn't, you know, just just racing toward in, in the last five laps. And that was, man, stuff was going on the entire way. And you could feel it 
the whole time you're watching that race, you're like, man, this is something special going on here. We, th this is really, really cool. There's not much call. I had a, I have a friend that really is more, he's from New Jersey. That's really more sprint car oriented. Uh, uh, he, he likes sprint cars so much, but he's been watching some late models and he even like made a comment on social media about, man, that was a great race Sunday. Not many caught. And there was only one caution cars, always up front guys battling all over the place and the racetrack. Don't forget about that racetrack. You need a great racetrack. We talk about all these arrow things and, and rules and all that. And your number one thing is you need a great racetrack. And that, that Vado is a great racetrack. I mean, it seems like there's, there's some character to it, some bumps, you know, you gotta, I, I don't want to see a perfectly smooth, slick, icy racetrack. I mean, it could be a good race, but I want to see the cars look like they're going fast. Like they were at Vado and guys that could just get it. And there's a cushion there where they can get up there and run it like Kyle Larson did at the end. And, you know, Bobby Pierce did to get back into contention. That was just all. I had all the elements there. That's for sure. Even excited drivers at the end of the race. Yeah. And he even had Kyle Larson announce on air that he's coming back already for 2024. Cause he loved it so much. He didn't get a victory, but he was in contention and, you know, made our jaw drop with some of those slide jobs he uh, tried to make on Jonathan Davenport earlier in the week and then Bobby Pierce on the finale. Kyle McFadden, what is your definition? How, how about Kyle Larson? Like, I just say, Derek, how about Kyle Larson, too, in his quotes there in Victory Lane saying that him and Bobby Pierce know how to get their nuts up on the dashboard? Or he learned that you know, from me. That's a, that's that's Oh, that's you've, you've taught him that? Okay. I, I thought that no, was a pretty good but those quote. Those are some huh? good quotes, but – Look at it. Go back when you have a great race, exciting, and if you don't win, you say it. Like like Turbo last year when he ran second to Sheppy at a race, he was excited because it was just so much fun and a badass. And I think it does bring out the kid inside the driver when they can race like that. Yeah, definitely. I I, I could kind of go back to that first year at the um, indoor race at Gateway. You know, there was a pretty good race. Like Lanigan was in there, Bab, all those. I mean, there were some good guys in there and they were swapping and, and really going for it. And they, they, I think we've talked about this before. They mentioned it was like they were at their local go-kart track, just having fun on some random <laughs> night, you know, just going out there and, you know, bumping into each other, but having fun and, and uh, running side by side. And, and that's, and that's what they kind of were. I mean, the top three guys in victory lane, they were all happy. Even the guy, even Mike Marler, who lost, had the lead till uh, what seven to go, and he finishes third, and he's happy. And uh, Kyle Larson, who never—he's a guy that's not really happy when he doesn't win, and he didn't win any of the six, got three seconds. He was still happy. So that was that—that uh, that tells you what a kind of race that was. Yeah, it was it was great as always. There's been awesome races throughout our entire career. But Kyle McFadden, I want to ask you. What do you look forward into a great race? What catches your eyes and you realize, oh my gosh, that could be race of the year. What is Kyle McFadden looking and searching for when he's watching a race and it's just a, you know, slobber knocker instant classic? Yeah, I think um, it's always like what what's about this race that is unusual or extraordinary or something that maybe we don't, see often right what's made this race unique and so i mean on sunday four guys battling for the win on the same straightaway in the same corner right uh throughout most of that race i mean as kevin mentioned i mean that's that you don't see that 
often. I know that Davenport puts out races like that almost every other big event, it seems, that they have. But, you know, multiple guys battling for the win like that, it doesn't matter what else happens through the field. It doesn't matter, in my opinion, how many cautions bring or are brought out in that event or so-called event. When four guys are battling for the win like that, it doesn't matter really how it ends. You know, the same guy could could lead all 30 or 40 or 50 laps while those four guys or three other guys are, are, are hot on his heels. But, you know, when multiple guys are battling for the win, I'd have to say, you know, that's an instant, uh, you know, I have to get my money's worth for that. And then also, too, I remember one race at Hagerstown, I think it was the Lucas Oil race in 2021 in April. I think it was a caution-free race. So everything up until five to go didn't really get exciting. But what I'm trying to say is, is that Tim McCready was try, trying to track down Ricky Thornton Jr. in that race. And he uh, actually ended up making a last corner pass on Ricky Thornton Jr. And so... I remember that race being like, okay, like Tim McCready, he's slowly chipping into Ricky Thornton's lead lap by lap by lap. And then I'm thinking in that race, you know, we, we like this thing, it's probably going to be close. And so sure enough, you know, that race didn't have multiple guys or four guys on Sunday, like we saw at Vado battling for the win, but it still came down to a last corner pass. I don't recall a caution in that race to dice things up, but even then, you know, that race was 50 laps. I think it went caution free. And so, you know, that race comes, comes to mind because of, of, of the anticipation that I feel like was built up before that last corner pass from Tim McCready on Ricky Thornton. And so, you know, there's, all these variables, right? All these like storylines that we follow, especially as writers in the sport. And so any race that, that amplifies lap after lap, right? That each lap kind of builds on one another, you know, that race at Hagerstown in 2021, you know, I walked out of there thinking, you know, that was one of the best races that I saw all year. And that year I covered 94, 2% of my races that year were sprint car races. And so, um, and then I think back to last year's million dollar race at Eldoro, right? I mean, if there wasn't that caution for Greg Satterley with 14 laps to go when he had that flat tire, I mean, that was going down as honestly, probably like worst race of the year that I saw because Davenport had lapped up to fifth or sixth and that race was just a snoozer. And then we get a few quick cautions there. You know, Chris Chris Madden, uh, Devin Moran, and Tim McCready had a shot. Uh, actually, Tim McCready was leading that race with 14, which gave Davenport that chance to, to, to get back up front and then ultimately uh, win that million dollars. And so, you know, it's a race like that that, you know, Obviously, cautions will save a race like that, too. And, and it actually ended up, you know, not being half bad at the end. So 
Um, but I go back to what Kevin kind of illustrated on Sunday, uh, four guys battling for the win. You know, that's, that's the first thing that I look for is, is how, how many guys are going to be in contention, you know, for the win here. And so multiple lead changes do, do each lap kind of build on each other or build on one another. And so to kind of create that tension and, uh, you know, bring out the storylines that we all know this sport has. And so, yeah, those are just some key points uh, that I look for. I like those, Kyle McFadden and Robert. Um, you've been to a lot of races. You see some, you know, mediocre suspect races. What is your initial reaction when somebody comes up to you and be like, man, that racing was amazing. That racing was phenomenal. And you're kind of just like looking around thinking, was that the same race I saw? And also, like Kovac mentioned, he's seen more and more people on social media always tweeting out, man, that was race of the year. So what's going on here? Are they kind of just maybe not used to seeing so many races that are good and they just see one on social media or not on Twitter or actually live on Flow? Or are they just losing it and you're thinking to yourself, I mean, that race was okay, but not the best? <laughs> well, you know, for starters, I do think that uh, that that Ben and DJ do a pretty good job and of of describing the action and, and often, not always, but often making it better than it, seem better than it really is, especially, you know, in person. Uh, and that's, that's their job. Uh, you know, I think that's their job to describe the action, but sometimes, uh, you know, they get more excited than I get while I'm watching a race. Uh, not just them, it's just announcers in general. And, uh, and so, and it happens, it happens more than you think. We've all, we've all seen that where somebody we're walking to that not maybe not even saying anything to us, but we're walking to the pits after a race or walking you know, to our cars after race and you overhear somebody say, Oh my God, that was, that was awesome. I kind of take a couple of things from that. One, I'm glad they thought it was awesome. So they'll come back. That's, that's the, the first thing that I get from that is that I'm glad this person liked what they saw and they'll come back again. The second thing I take from that is we see a lot of races. We see Arguably, we see more races than anybody in the country other than these crews, other than the drivers and the crews themselves. We probably see more races than than anyone, because not only do we travel 75 times a year, but we're we're also when we're not traveling, it's our job to, to stay home and watch these other races that we're not at. So we see, you know, could it be a couple hundred a year? I don't know, but I've never counted how many races I've actually watched. But we and we've seen a lot of races through time, so our standards for a good race are probably higher than other people's standards. That's that's has to be. So you know, I don't want to say I, I'm not going to be a snob and say I, I snicker. You know, I'm not going to look down at someone for thinking that they've seen a, a great race because maybe they're new to the sport. Maybe you know. But I kind of go back to the race that Mike, with Larson catching uh, Mike Marler in that race. You know, what was that? I'll let you guys kind of weigh in on this when I get finished here. But was that really a good race? I I didn't really think it was. I mean, Marler was. I mean, Marler was. Uh, Larson was catching him, and Larson had a Larson had a legit chance to win that thing at the end. 
And it was kind of like, you're kind of holding your breath thinking, is it going to happen? But as far as the racing itself goes, was it really a good race? It wasn't the best. Certainly wasn't the best we saw all week. So I kind of go back to that, you know, and that's the kind of scenario. And I heard people saying after that race, man, what a great race that was. Man, that was awesome. And I guess we were kind of like holding our breath saying, is, is Larson going to get there? But sometimes we watch a race at Cherokee and we think, is Chris Madden going to get to the finish without blowing a tire? Is that a great race? I, I don't know. It could be, you know, and somebody's Cherokee packs the place. I've never been to an event at Cherokee that wasn't packed. So I think it's sometimes the events that you're, that you're used to watching. I think it's uh, your, um, maybe it's your, uh, your standards, you know, some people's standards and some people just don't see as many races, you know, and, and I have to sometimes sit back and think, where was the last good race I saw at? Because my standards are so high and, Maybe sometimes we shouldn't be snobs and maybe we shouldn't set our standards so high, but at the same time, uh, we just see so many races that, that that's where, that's where we're at, you know? Uh, so I'm not going to, I definitely don't want to look down on anyone who thinks they saw a great race, but sometimes you're like, eh, maybe you should go to Fairbury or hell, maybe you should come to duck river when it's really putting on a, you know, when it's really racy, uh, maybe you should go to East Bay. You know, go to some of these other racetracks, you know, go to go to Davenport, you know, take the weekend off and go to Davenport. Uh, maybe they should just venture out more and then they'll say, oh, hell, now that was a good race. As Sean McVay said in training camp last year, the standard is the standard. So maybe we just have a little bit more standards when it comes to, you know, race of the year stuff. But we all can agree. I think Sunday night was a great, great race. Robert, to answer your question about was it a good race, I also think who's the person making that rally? Is it a big household name like Kyle Larson? I think if it was like Bobby Pierce starting to make some noise there, and he, you know he's exciting to watch on the cushion, just like Kyle Larson is in the late model. I think you get more of like a buzz after the race just because it's a name that everybody likes. Uh, they're both polarizing. I think some people love the guy. Other people are like, okay, we're kind of, you know, tired of their spiel and stuff like that. Kovac, Robert also mentioned that I don't think it matters what the crowd size is or the prestige of it is, but part of making race of the year, if you're at the event is the crowd reaction, them going crazy. And you can find a, you can feel that palpable buzz in the atmosphere. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it's a big money on the line and you know, those guys are, are, are out there trying to, trying to get that money. Like they're got a little bit extra effort. It might, it might make the race a, you know, a little, little more intense because there's so much on the line. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like the, you know, the race of the year has to be one of these biggers. I mean, that, that adds to it. It adds to the storyline uh, that they're chasing so much money that they're, there's so much, uh, you know, prestige on the line and, and that they want to be, have their name up on this list of winners. But um, I, I know that like there's a few races that were just 25 lappers, 30 lappers, uh, weekly shows in my life that just still stick out more than the biggest races of the year. I mean, I can remember a big block modify race at Flemington Speedway, I think is in 1986. And the two leaders were just going for the lead the entire race. It was, only, it was one of the few times I'd ever seen them. Like they were literally side by side the entire race. I can remember a race, a late model race at Hagerstown way back too. I think this was even, I think it was there for, it was an undercard of a super dirt car series, big block race. 
and I think it was Nathan Durbar, Stuhler, and, and maybe somebody, I can't remember quite who the other one was, but Stuhler. I know that those three guys were going for the lead the entire race. I mean, it, it was just so, 25 laps and you're like, wow, that was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, they weren't going for $50,000 or 20, even 10,000. They were just going for maybe 1500, 2000 back then, but it was one heck of a show. I mean, it, it, it the entire race, they were just into it. And, you know, and, and, and that's so it, it doesn't matter. I think, you know, I mean, drivers want to win all the time. Uh, and, oh yeah. Uh, it, it, they, they may want to win a little bit more when it's more money on the line, but uh, they always want to win. You could see that. And when they get sniffing the lead and there's a couple and they're racing with somebody else, it could be, and you're, and you're just looking for, and what, what adds to it is when you see those kind of take your breath away kind of moves, you know, there's, there's sometimes like, you know, like say on Sunday with Bobby Pierce and Kyle Larson, when they were sliding and coming within inches of each other, inches of the wall, kind of bouncing. I mean, there were times where bouncing up in the air through holes and um, just letting it all hang out. And that's, uh, and that's what makes you get excited about a race. And like you talked about, like maybe some people don't, uh, you know, they, they think that maybe a, a flag to flag race is the greatest race in the world. And, and some people it will be, I mean, they like to just, they were just there. They had a great time at the racetrack. They wanted, they saw cars going fast. They seemed like they were close. They're not like, so, uh, you know, discerning, I guess, as we are, because we see so many, they just, they thought, Hey, that was a pretty good show. Hey, good, good for them. But, uh, once you start getting out there and seeing a whole bunch of races, you're really gonna, uh, see the difference and, and kind of come up with your idea of like, what well, this is what makes a race really good. Yeah. You guys are both right. It doesn't really matter about the prestige and the crowd factor. Obviously if it was the world 100, it's like the greatest race ever, then we're all going to be in, you know, agreement like that was awesome it makes you know just yeah, that buzz. 2006 you right, right yeah 2006 roll 100 everybody brings up and we're nearly getting close to 20 years since that race happened yep. year 18 or 17 since then but that was a great one but yeah, at the end of the day if you're at your local racetrack i remember some great ones as well so uh the racers want to race they want to put a show on for the fans and obviously for the most part fans come there to see some great side-by-side -side action all right drum roll please we're going to start with kyle mcfadden what is one race that comes to mind when we think, man, that race was awesome? Was it when you were a real little young kid? Has it happened recently? What is Kyle Mc McFadden? What's his first race that comes to mind of one of the best races he's ever seen? Oh, geez. Um, well, I guess uh, most recently, you know, the Hillbilly 100 last October. You know, that's not the best race that I saw, but most recently that has, you know, within the past three, four months, I mean, that's probably the best race I saw, even though there wasn't an official pass for the lead. I mean, Kyle Larson, you know, had uh, Brandon Shepard hot on his heels for pretty much all 100 laps in that race. And so uh, just being on the edge of your seat, right, not – like you, when you can't take your eyes off the battle for the lead, even though there wasn't an official uh, pass for the lead, um, and then lap traffic too around Tyler County, and 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 just watching, you know, how Kyle Larson had to get that race done, and so, you know, I couldn't take my eyes off the battle for the lead, even though at times in that race, if you've ever been to, to a 
Tyler County. You can't see the whole racetrack uh, for obvious reasons oftentimes. And so, uh, but no, I mean, that's, that's, that's probably the most recent race I saw where I'm like, man, you know, I, I, it, you can't take your eyes off, off the end. And, and it, uh, there wasn't a lap in that race that was boring. And so, you know, it checks the boxes there for me as, uh, at least races most recently that I would, uh, chalk up as, uh, a good race. Yeah, definitely had its key moments there. Uh, yellows fell the way. So you had good restarts. Garrett Alberson, I believe was right in the mix as well. Putting on a, putting on a show and putting pressure on Brandon Shepard and Kyle Larson. Larson obviously ended up winning that race. Robert, I feel like maybe you're one of your races that you love might not be in this year. It might've been maybe a little bit longer. I could be wrong, but I'm just going to, with your veteran uh, eyes and how many races you've been to, I don't think it's it's happened the last couple of years. I could be wrong, but I'm just guessing. Uh, you you guessed correctly. And um, for for those listening and watching, we actually haven't discussed this. So you just happened to, to, to know me, I guess, because um, you got to go all the way back to the 90s, actually. And, and this is not a this is, I think, a Southern All-Stars race, or it was a Memorial Day race at um, uh, Duck River. Uh, it was the some guys had come back through, I think, from the Show Me 100 and stopped. But uh, there's three guys. Uh, it was at Duck River, a Sunday afternoon, three guys, Danny Peoples, uh, David Gentry, and Ronnie Johnson. They put on an absolute uh, – it was incredible. It was an incredible race. Three lanes, uh, David Gentry in the bottom, uh, all the way, all the way down against the tractor tires, the car tires. Uh, they, uh, Danny Peoples in the middle. Ronnie Johnson uh, was kind of middle up, and a caution came out, I believe. And I think, I think, again, this was a long time ago. So, uh, and I didn't look this up, but I believe Danny Peoples was leading the race, and a caution came out. And I thought to myself, how, because David Gentry was, was really getting faster and faster, just kind of creeping along the bottom. And what I thought to myself was, how is Danny Peoples going to block both lanes when he's got these two guys coming? And uh, he couldn't. Uh, and they went three wide around Duck River for several laps. Uh, and it was just a spectacular action. And this is just a race that I've, I've seen good races and I, and in all honesty, I may have seen a better race, but it's just one of those races that was start to finish good. The track at Duck River was excellent, and it wasn't heavy. It wasn't uh, there. There was a cushion you could race on, and this is another thing that we talk about all the time. At what makes a great race, track prep, track prep. It wasn't. It wasn't heavy up against the wall. One lane up against the wall. It wasn't rubbered in the bottom. There was a, it was slick up to the middle. And then there was a little bit of a cushion where you could get up on a race. The track was marvelous. And these three guys went at it for lap after lap after lap. And just for some reason, I've never, and of course, Duck River is my home track. So uh, he is now that Winchester Speedway in, here in Tennessee is closed. But it's just one of those races that I've never been able to, to not think about when I think about good races. 
Uh, a lot of people, when they think about good races, they do think about their home tracks. They do think about where they grew up and where they went to, you know, most of their lives. And, and that one just comes to mind. And again, I've seen great races at East Bay. I've seen great races at Davenport. We all have, we've seen these really good shows, but, uh, for me, that's just, uh, a race and it wasn't like a just a local show i think it paid three thousand five thousand dollars to win something like that but it, it was just one of those shows that has always stood out to me uh because duck river is a type of place when it's perfect when it's right you can race three wide on that thing all day long uh when it's right and uh then i think that's one of the keys that we may maybe didn't even mention as you mentioned it earlier when we started the show but track prep you get to track prepped yes correctly you work the track a little here and there and have the right conditions sometimes track prep just falls into your lap and you're like oh we had a good track today and then sometimes sometimes people have to really really work hard at it but when it happens when it comes together you will see a good race yeah track prep is vital and sometimes it just happens and it knocks it out of the park another underrated oh sorry another underrated thing has to be um, you know, lap traffic as well. If you go along green flags and those guys have to maneuver and try to make moves, I think lap traffic is another underrated scenario that can help out and make a great race. Kovac, can we just say it now? Flemington, 1981, something like that. You were like eight years old. Flint Man was going crazy in Victor Lane. Billy Pouch started 29th and won the race. Is that it? Well, 1981, I hadn't been to a race yet. I was only eight. I went the first time when I was nine in 1982. But, yes, there was many races there. I mean, <laughs> you think back, though. I mean, I grew up going, you know, most of us probably if we go to local racetracks. We probably grew up going to races where they were handicapping, too. I mean, that throws a little bit. I mean, it's a little different now with so many fast guys up front. You don't see that many charges from the back, like from 17th or 18th spot. I grew up seeing that every week. I mean, at Flemington, they'd put, I mean, my man, Billy Pouch was the guy, but he'd start 18th about every single week because of the handicapping. And he still is the all-time leading feature winner there. And, you know, just the dicing, the coming up through the pack, you'd see that. And then that would, that'd make just a regular 30 lapper very special too. Uh, just uh, with, with all the, the movement that you saw, like the, the moves that he was making in traffic or, or I don't know, other guys, there's plenty of other good drivers there too. Uh, and that's the way weekly racing was. I mean, I don't even know if they, most weekly races don't even handicap back to 18th anymore. It's usually maybe 12th or something if they do that. But if I'm going to go for a, my favorite race, I mean, the, the late model race that sticks out to me the most, uh, every time I think of a great, it's, and I'm sure it does for a lot of people because of the amount of people that were there was that 2006 world 100. Uh, uh, I mean, that was one, again, it wasn't just two guys. I mean, you had Jeep Van Wormer scraping the outside wall. You had Josh Richards, little teenage, young, upstart, third-year Josh Richards, who really probably could have won that race if he had a little more experience. Uh, he kind of showed, I think, the way to go for, uh, for Earl Pearson Jr. To, to come up on the inside of him and, and take that groove that was going to be the winning one that to, you know, emerge in, as a winner in the last 10 laps of that race. Uh, Shannon Babb was in the mix too. I mean, there was just so much happening there. Uh, and with so much, uh, you know, it's the biggest race, so many people watching. I, I can imagine if that race happened now and it's on flow live, that race wasn't on flow live. There was no, no live coverage of that race back then. Uh, 
you couldn't even listen to it. I don't think there wasn't any, there wasn't even any audio of that. I think at that point, so you just had to get the Steve Gigas Sports Plus video a few weeks later, or maybe the next night. He might have he might I think Gigas might have been printing those things up in his uh in his hotel room probably those DVDs to so make sure he had them out for the next night if there was if he was going anywhere. It was that good. Imagine now if that kind of race happens at on the biggest highest stage. Uh, of dirt late model racing and it just goes i mean just bonkers like that uh with with so many guys having a chance to win man that would that if there, if there was a thing that would break the dirt late model internet that would be it right there but that's the one that i'm always going to remember uh of, of late model racing uh, so it sticks out the top of my mind yeah and fun fact about that kovac that was kind of the night where rigsby like was like i'm gonna do this as a job i think this mm-hmm. is gonna be a perfect time to do it because no one had video of it and we got to give credit to right. mike norris because those two are walking out of the race that night just you know spitting the shit and rigsby gave the idea and told the idea to mike norris mike norris looked at him and said you know what rigsby you need to do this like this would be great so i give credit to maybe mike norris you know starting the company kovac um, mike norris good job i didn't know that that's a little known fact i never heard that little tidbit so well, thank you, Mike Norris, uh, you know, for, for setting this all up, for giving Rigsby the, the, the infant, the, you know, the little push to go forward. <laughs> yeah. Rigsby denies it, but Mike Norris says it through and through that they were talking that night. So it's kind of hard to decide who to believe in that scenario. Cause Rigsby was probably <laughs> on a high of just a great race. And, you know, Norris was probably 15 or 16 bush lights deep. Um, I'm going to have to go the 2014 Prairie Dirt Classic. We talked about it. What makes a great race? Had 10 lead changes in 100 laps. You had four or five guys that led laps. You had Bab, Mason Ziegler, Daryl Lanigan, Tim McCready. You had a great photo finish because T-Mac jumped the cushion. You think the race was kind of over with two to three laps to go. He jumps the cushion. Here comes Jamie Owens. He tries to throw a slider into one and two in the final lap. They kind of touch a little bit. The crowd is going crazy. T-Mac had a, just a great, phenomenal celebration with, like, the confetti just going like this, you know, doing his little bow and stuff like that. Um, so it had pretty much all the mixture. You had lap traffic. You had slide jobs. You had great calls by, like, as, you know, uh, Robert Holman said, like, Dustin Jarrett and Ben Shelton described the race. It was Ben Shelton and Mike Norris, but you had, like, Mike Norris going, McCready returns the favor on Bab. And just, I don't know, just had great iconic moments throughout that event. A big time uh, crown jewel, my home track. So I have to go with the 2014 Prairie Dirt Classic. And also honorable mention, Robert Holman, you've been to Hobstadt. 2012 um, Summer Nationals race. Uh, Todd Turner this whole time is like, this is the best racetrack ever. And I never had higher expectations going to a racetrack. And it delivered with a no-name man out of St. Louis, if you ask Shannon Babb and Scott James, Scott Weber, last lap pass on the Silver Shark. So that one will always that one will always be in my heart too because just Todd and Rigsby just raving about it and it capitalized on a guy that, you know, made probably his biggest moment of his career with Scott Weber. Hopstop, they can have some good moments, Robert. Hobstadt, uh, Hobstadt is one of those tracks that we wish that they had more late model races. Hobstadt is a wonderful facility, uh, kind of a, I don't know if I guess modified or, or open wheel kind of a stronghold there, but yes, that is a, a racy place. And, uh, 
I don't know if I've seen a bad race there. I've only seen five or six, but I don't know if I've seen a bad one there. So it's one of those tracks that, uh, you know, that in Indiana that we wish there were more late model shows at for sure. It's a good, it's a good place. It's also, I also have to say that Hobstadt, uh, has a, a, a special place in my heart too, because it's where I, I came to Todd Turner. I was there watching the summer nationals race way back when, and, uh, I went to Todd Turner up in the press box and he was just, you know, how Todd gets sometimes, uh, complaining about our, our sport and how he wishes things were different. And I said, well, maybe you should hire me at dirt on dirt. So, and, uh, six months later I was hired. And so it's also kind of, kind of special to me too. Look at that. A budding relationship happened at Hobstadt during a summer nationals race as of course they always have a Sunday, uh, hell tour event. Great track, great facility. I like that, Robert. That was a good personal story. I didn't know about you at the time. So I like that. Um, as always, we end the show with one more thing. Kyle, you can kick us off. No one's taking your idea. No one's going to take your, uh, you know, your luster. You get the first one here. You're going to crack open a, you know, an opening pitch home run here. Let's go. <clears throat> yeah. So I saw on Facebook that Maryland driver Dale Hollidge and uh, car owner Bruce Kane have parted ways uh, this season. And so don't know what Dale Hollidge has planned and, and don't know what Bruce Kane has planned either. Obviously, if you remember uh, at the World Finals that Dale Hollidge was uh, set quick time on one of those nights and then also started on the pole, too, for the uh, Lucas Oil Rumble by the River in August at at, uh, at Port Royal on, on that Saturday night, too. So we'll have to see where where Hollidge lands and, uh, you know, who Bruce Kane puts in his his car for this year. Yeah, you never like to see drivers and car owners part separate ways. We want to keep, you know, a lot of drivers still open for business. So the future is uh, still up in the air for both of those. We'll see how they can uh, maybe find a good fit later on here for 2023. Uh, Kovac, how about you, buddy? What do you got? Uh, I think I'm going to mention the the little change in format for the World Finals uh, this November. Kovac, uh, come they... on. No, don't. I've had nine <laughs> months just to, like, not uh... even think about this. We had such a good time last year, and now you texted well, You did. You definitely did. De Derek oh. definitely did. I mean, uh, man, it, he's he was definitely the the life of the party on the uh, off night uh, in uh, less this past November. Uh, I thought it was racing in three I, classes. Come on, let's do it. I all know you had nights. four days. You know, like I mean, they expanded it to four days in 2022, but they had that one off day for each division. Uh, and the late models were at Friday night, right? Weren't wasn't it late models Friday night or was it Thursday? I don't even remember what day it was. I mean, you probably Friday. don't remember either. Friday. So, I mean, I thought that that was that was a good deal, and you know, I kind of liked having that day off. I mean, I thought it was really a good thing for the, the whole group. You know, you didn't even have to. You could just, uh, you know, take a break a little bit because four straight nights at at the World Finals when they start. I mean, you're starting three o'clock, four o'clock. You know, with so much racing and it gets cold quick. So. Uh, it can get cold quick. Um, I like that day off, but I mean, I guess that they thought that now, I'm sure there was probably some fans that were like, well, we want to see them all three nights. We want to see all three divisions, all three nights. And it probably, you look at that, uh, the, uh, fan count, 
it, it did build up like Wednesday wasn't the, was probably one of the smaller crowds for the world final. A lot, still a lot of people, but it wasn't packed like Friday, Saturday ends up being all the time. So uh, world racing group decided to go back to having time trials for all the divisions on Wednesday and then just run all, all divisions on Thursday, Friday and take the points and do on sat, figure out everything on Saturday. So uh, it's a little disappointment. It's going to be a grueling week now because it's going to be three, I mean, four long, long nights. But oh well, Derek, I don't know. I guess you won't be able to, you won't be going, probably won't be heading down unless you get there early, even earlier in the week. You're not going to be heading down to the that bar down the street. Iron Thunder. Don't give it Iron Thunder. Iron <laughs> Thunder. Gosh. Hey, that's where me and, uh, you know, Gary Stuhler became besties. We were great friends, but that's when we became best friends this past year. Yep, Stuhler <laughs> gives me a call and says, like, he's wanting to make sure that you got home that night, you know? Did you, were you I able to get lying. him? Do I, I have to I take him home? You know, so, yeah, yeah he, he, I was like, why Stuhler calling me here, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm still not going to, I'm got not planning on coming until Thursday morning, though, Kovac. You can do the qualifying. <laughs> that's all right. All right. That's nine months away, though. We got a long time. We got to yeah, get Yeah, I don't even want to think first. about that. We have this thing coming up here the next month, uh, which maybe somebody will mention in their one more thing. Robert, I'll let you go. What's your uh, one more thing before we head into finishing the show? Well, I just wanted to, uh, to point out where we're going to be beginning. Thursday, you and I will be at Volusia. Where will we be Thursday night after Volusia? We'll be yes. on the ride, drive, whatever it's called, home Thursday, Friday, Debut. Saturday. So, so yeah, you and I, and uh, I think I've told one person that actually cares, and that's probably my daughter. I was like, hey, you know, get on Facebook Live, check out the the drive home uh derek and i and whoever else piles in the band will will be uh uh chit-chatting about tonight's action and so uh so i told i've told two people now i've told a bunch of people but i told two i told my wife and my daughter and i think my daughter's probably the only one that gives a damn so she'll probably that's one more viewer that we should have on on facebook live and i can assure you that my wife probably won't be getting on on there but at any rate uh, you and I, the drive home, looking forward to it. Uh, I leave uh, out as hopefully everybody's listening to this. I'll be making my way to Florida, and uh, and I'll see you there, buddy. Yeah, I'm leaving at uh, 5 a.m. when this is recorded, or when they show 5 a.m. Wednesday. We record on Tuesdays, obviously. So going to make it down to Valdosta, Georgia, stay there, and then I'll be you know headed to Barberville, which, by the way, Robert, 81? 78 and 70 degrees for the weather. That's pretty oh. damn good for January of uh, yes. Volusia. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, 57 degrees and rainy here in Tennessee, which, you know, it's supposed to be 65 this week, which is not bad for, the, you know, January in Tennessee if it would just ever quit raining. Uh, you know, I could barely get into my house uh, earlier. So, uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to that, especially after even the great weather we had at Votto. Can't complain when your temperatures get to 70 out there, but it's still, like we mentioned, it got really chilly when the sun went down. So I'm, uh, I'm packing my shorts, buddy, a little sun sunscreen, and, uh, and I will, I'll see you there. And we will be beach life at Ormond Beach, you know, through the day. Maybe me, you, me oh. you can go on a stroll. By the way, I changed my hotel reservation. I'm in the same hotel as you. Uh-oh. Let's yes, go. Yes, yes, that's perfect, right. So now perfect. it's right there, you know. 
Yeah, I like yeah. it. That's a very smart by Robert Holman using his veteran moves to get to the hotel I'm at. We're in separate rooms, people, so don't be thinking about, you know, what's that going is on true. with uh, me that and Robert. True. Big shot, Bob. No, My one more rooms. thing. My one more thing. It has to do with Speed Weeks. I tweeted it out uh, yesterday. 2013, the Wild West shootout got done January 20th. We didn't race at Speed Weeks until February 8th. 18 days off, Kovac. You hear that? 18 days off. We had 10 years ago, a decade ago. Now we only have 72 hours. We're starting three days. Well, technically four, but practice is Wednesday night. Three days, three to four days that we're starting, you know, speed weeks in mid-January. That is just crazy how much has how much has changed in those 10 days. And some and some drivers are like going from New Mexico straight to Volusia. Yes. Too. Uh, yes. Florida. How about I've that? Had two so. days off. I've had two days off, and I'm going. Yeah. Right. Like at least you don't have to bring a race car though, too. Yeah. At least you just yeah. you were able Those to fly out, right? So yeah, and then, and then you yeah. can drive. But man, like that. Uh, those race cars. Uh, you know, they got to leave right from there and head right to Florida, and they'd already been on the road for more, you know, a week and a half, and you know, so this is this is one long, long. Uh, stretch of racing for them to go through at the beginning of the year. But I guess that they, I guess it's better than being out in, in Illinois in the middle of uh, January and February though. Right. Right. Derek, you, you get a little bit warmer. Oh yeah, for sure. No doubt about that. And also I was looking at it. That speed week lasted 13 days. This year's is like nearly 30 days. So that's just something else that has switched up in the different dynamic and super dirt late model racing in Florida, Georgia for speed weeks. We'll have full coverage of that. Um, we'll be live the following week for Lucas Oil action, but you know, be sure to check out the, our friends at dirt vision Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the sunshine nationals. We'll have the minute we'll have race day. We'll have the drive home. Robert's making his debut on, you know, a lot of these things. So I'm very proud of him. Excited for that. Uh, we will have full highlights, full reactions of the top five all weekend. And then next week we'll, you know, we'll be previewing the full speed weeks as we start Lucas Oil action, but be sure to check out the stories and updates because it's going to be a crazy month. But Speed Weeks kicks off this week at Volusia. Until next time, this is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.